Good afternoon and welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 47. And so we left off at chapter uh, 16 in Judges, and so we're going to hop into chapter 17. Chapter 17 through the rest of the book of Judges basically is about uh, raising awareness of how far Israel had, had wandered off from what the Lord had wanted them to do. The theme could be everybody just did whatever they thought was right, and we'll see that as we get into it. And so in verse, uh, chapter 17, there was a man called Micah, and uh, his mother had 1,100 pieces of silver that was stolen. And so she put a curse on that silver. And, um, and then Micah, I guess, felt guilty, I don't know, and he eventually fessed up to his mother that it was him who stole uh, the silver. And it says in verse 3, he, was, he returned 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother, and his mother said, I personally consecrate the silver to the Lord for my son's benefit to make a carved image and a silver idol. And so we see that what's happening here is that uh, the mother is saying she's consecrating the silver, and, she's, and so she's going to give it back to Micah, even though he stole it uh, from her. But what she wanted him to do was to make a carved image and a silver idol. So we see how convoluted this is because we know how the Lord feels about idol and idol worship. So she's going to consecrate this, but then make idols out of it. doesn't make any sense. Again, people doing whatever they think is right. And then in verse 5, uh, we find out that Micah has a shrine in his house of gods, of idols and whatnot. And he put his son over uh, this shrine as a priest. And so they're, they're from, Ephraim, uh, from Ephraim. They're not Levites. Only Levites in Israel could be priests, but Micah installed his son as a priest over his shrine. So they're just all out of whack in this situation. It says in verse 6, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did whatever seemed right to him. And so if that doesn't spell out what we're, what we're experiencing today in our country, in our culture, you know, everybody's just doing whatever they feel is right for them, that everybody has their own truth, you know, there's no absolute truth. I just have my own special, you know, specialized truth that only applies to me. So I'm going to do whatever I think is right. And we'll see the consequences of that thinking as we go through here. <clears throat> so then um, there was a, a priest in Benjamin in Judah, a young man, and he left. He went out to find himself, I guess, and he came across the property of Micah. And so Micah talks to him, asks him, where are you from? He says, you know, I'm, I'm a Levite and I'm from Judah. And he, so Micah says, well, what I want you to do is I want you to be my father and I want you to be my priest. And if you do these things, I'm going to pay you four pieces of silver a year. So I'm, I'm going to hire you to intercede on my behalf before God. You know, So, so I'm going to benefit from your uh, presence. It says in verse 12, uh, Micah consecrated the Levite. So Micah, you know, a man from Ephraim con consecrated the Levite. That's totally backwards. That's out of order. That, that, can't, that shouldn't happen. And the young man became his priest and lived in Micah's house. Then Micah said to him, now I know that the Lord will be good to me because a Levite has become my priest. So, and so Micah's like, cool, now I know I'm going to be covered. And so then uh, in chapter 18, we find out that the tribe of Dan did not do what they were supposed to do when they crossed the Jordan uh, back in the time of uh, Joshua. They didn't conquer all their land, so they were finding themselves short of land, and so they had to find more territory. So what they did is they sent out five scouts to scout out the land. So the five scouts go out. The five scouts come across Micah's property, and so they go up to Micah's property, <clears throat> and they find the Levite. And they see that he has an accent, so they know he's not from Ephraim. So they ask him, you know, what's this deal? He says, look, I'm from Benjamin. I'm a Levite. So and so forth. So he said, okay, cool. And it says in verse 5, then they said to him, please inquire of the Lord 
uh, for us to determine if we will have a successful journey. Verse 6, the priest told him, go in peace. The Lord is watching over the uh, journey you are going on. And so he blesses them. He sends them on. And so the five scouts go out and they come across a land called Laish. And they discover that this land is perfect and the people are peaceful and that they don't have association. They don't have an alliance with anybody to protect them. So this is easy pickings as far as they're concerned. So the five scouts go back to the tribe of Dan and they tell the leaders what the deal is. We can go take this land. And so the leaders are going to send them out. And he says in verse 10, when you get there, you will come to an unsuspecting people and a spacious land. Um, for God has handed it over to you. It is a place where nothing on earth is lacking. And so in verse 11, it says, 600 Danites departed from Zorah and Eshtiol armed with weapons of war. So they sent out 600 guys to go and take this land. And so <clears throat> they go out with the five scouts, the 600 guys, and then they come across, um, um, uh, so they come across uh, Micah's property on the way. And so they say, uh, did you know that there are an ephod, uh, household gods, and carved image and a uh, silver idol in these houses? So the five scouts are telling the army, did you know what's on this property? You know, there's some gods on this property. And so they go to Micah's house. And so it says in verse 18, when they entered Micah's house and took the carved images, the ephod, the household, the household idols, and the silver idol, the priest said to them, what are you doing? So the young Levite says, what are you doing? And they say to him, shut up, you know. Now come with us and be our father and be our priest. For would you rather, you know, be the priest to one man or would you rather minister to a nation? And so they appealed to his ego, you know. And in verse 20, it says, so the priest was pleased and took his ephod household idols and carved images and went with the army. And so the priest was pleased at what they said. And then he stole Micah's idols. He stole his gods. You know, he took him out of the house and left. So Micah discover, discovers this and he chases the army down and says, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? And they tell Micah essentially to shut up and go back home or else we're going to kill you and your family. Micah realized that they were stronger than he was. And so he turned and left. And so it says in verse 27, after they had taken the gods Micah had, uh, had made and the priest that belonged to him, they went to Laish. Uh, to a quiet and unsuspecting people. They killed them with their swords and burned the city. So they went in there, they wiped all the people out, burned the city because they're going to come back and take this land. And in verse 30, it said, uh, when they went back to the tribe of Dan, the Danites set up the carved image. So they took you know, the whole tribe back to Laish. And when they got to the land, the Danites set up the carved image for themselves. Jonathan, the son of Gershom, son of Moses, and his sons were priests for the Danai tribe until the time of the exile from the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's carved images or carved image uh, he had made, and it was there as long as the house of God was in Shiloh. And so notice, it says that Jonathan, uh, son of Gershom, son of Moses, Okay, and his sons. And so this is Moses' grandson and his kids. So it's Moses' grandson and great-grandsons. They're the ones that set up the idols in this land that they conquered. Moses would never have condoned this. But we see how far the Israelites had ventured off after they had crossed the Jordan. And so we go into chapter 19, and we see that um, <clears throat> uh, there was a Levite that's staying in the hill country of Ephraim, and uh, or Ephraim, and he married a woman from Judah, from Bethlehem, and um, and she said the word says it was his concubine or wife, as it's interpreted by some places. Uh, but apparently she got tired of him. She went back to her father's house. Okay, 
And so, um, uh, so she goes back to her father's house, <clears throat> and the priest, you know, he goes after. Her. So, so he leaves Ephraim and goes back to Benjamin to uh, to excuse, Benjamin, excuse me, Bethlehem to recover his wife. So he takes her wife, his wife back, and so now they're on their way back to Ephraim, back to the hill country, back to his house. He's bringing his wife back home. So on their way back, uh, they stop in a place called Gabeah because they want to rest. <clears throat> and uh, so they go to the square because they can't find anywhere to stay. And so apparently an old man comes out and talks to them, and he says, look, come stay with me. He says, only don't spend the night in the square. Don't stay here. Come stay with me. And so in verse 22, it says, while they were enjoying themselves, all of a sudden, wicked men of the city surrounded the house and beat on the door. They said to the old man who was the owner of the house, bring out the man who came to your house so we can have sex with him. Now, what does this sound like, right? This was Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, version two, you know, and so it says, look, sent out the man. And so the old man implores him, says, look, don't commit this crime in Israel. Don't do this. However... I have a daughter and his concubine. I'm going to send them out. So don't do this to this man, but you can do whatever you want. It says, he says, abuse them and do whatever you want to them, but don't commit this outrage, uh, this outrageous thing against this man. So you can do whatever you want to his, his wife and my daughter, or whatever, but don't do anything to this man. It's just convoluted thinking. I, I don't know. But anyway... It said, the word says that they raped her and abused her. So he sends out her, his concubine. They rape her and abuse her all night uh, until morning. At daybreak, they let her go. So then they let her go during the day. So she wanders back to the old man's house and she falls, she drops, she falls dead. And so the Levite comes out of the house, sees his wife, picks her up, takes her back to his house in Ephraim. And it says in verse 29, when he entered his house, he picked up a knife and took hold of his concubine, cut her into 12 pieces, 12 representing the number of tribes in Israel, uh, cut her into 12 pieces limb by limb and sent her throughout the territory of Israel. Verse 30, everyone who saw it said nothing like this has ever happened or has been seen since the day the Israelites came out of the land of Egypt until now. Think it over, discuss it and speak up. So he sends, her out, sends out these pieces to the rest of Israel, the other tribes, and he essentially says, look at what they did, you know, to my wife. And everybody gets upset. All of Israel gets upset. And so it says uh, in chapter 20, verse 2, the leaders of all the people and all the tribes of Israel presented themselves in an assembly of God's people, 400,000 armed foot soldiers. So all the tribes sent, uh, sent fighting men, totaling 400,000, because they're going to correct the situation. Right, because we've got Ephraim, you've got Benjamin, both are Israelite tribes. So, so this is within the family. And uh, so it says in verse 11, all of men of Israel gathered against the city. Then the tribes of Israel sent men throughout the tribe of Benjamin. You know, what is this evil act that has happened among you? Hand over the wicked men in Gibeah so we can put them to death and eradicate evil from Israel. But the Benjamites would not listen to their fe fellow Israelites. Instead, the Benjamites gathered together from their cities to Gabeah to go out to fight against the Israelites. And so it says, no, no, we're not going to hand over our brothers. We're going to come against you. So remember, they're all brothers. They're all in the tribe. It says, we're not going to ha hand over others from our tribe. We're going to come against you. It says, on that day, the Benjamites mobilized 26,000 armed men. 
from their cities beside the 700 fit young men rallied by the inhabitants of Gabeah. And so they had uh, almost 27,000 uh, um, soldiers. And in verse 17, it says, The Israelites, apart from ben- Benjamin, mobilized 400,000 armed men, one uh, or everyone an experienced warrior. And so, uh, so what they did, they inquired of the Lord and said, Lord, who should go first to fight our brothers, to fight Benjamin? And the Lord says, send Judah. So they say, okay. In verse 20, it says, the men of Israel went out to fight against Benjamin and took their battle position, positions against uh, uh, Gabeah. In verse 21, the Benjamites came out of Gabeah and slaughtered 22,000 men of Israel on the field that day. And so the Benjamins, uh, the Benjamites came out and kicked tail. And so the, uh, the Israelites, the other uh, tribes, went back, they cried before the Lord, and, and they set up for the next day. And the next day they went out, and the same thing happened. And this time the Benjamites killed 18,000 of their soldiers. So then they came back. And it says, but this time, it says they fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings of fellowship offerings to the Lord. Then the Israelites inquired of the Lord. So then they asked the Lord what we should do. He gave them a strategy. They went out, and the Lord answered, fight, um, because I will hand them over to you tomorrow. And so he says, go out, because I'm going to be with you tomorrow. You're going to win. And so, uh, and it says in verse 35, the Lord defeated Benjamin in the presence of Israel on that day. The Israelites slaughtered 25,600 men of Benjamin. All were armed. Then the Benjamites realized they had been defeated. And so then, what happened after that is the Israelites felt guilty, if you will, because they didn't completely wipe out Benjamin because they didn't want to. They were their brothers, and there were still some men left alive, and they didn't have any wives. And so they said, well, what shall we do? And so they said, well, they're going to go out, you know, send some people out, and, and what's going to happen is um, they, they counted amongst themselves and says, okay, who didn't come fight with us? They identified a city that didn't go fight with them, Jabesh Gilead, didn't go fight with them. And so, so they said, okay, send all our, all our soldiers to Jabesh Gilead and wipe them out, except for 400, you know, find all the virgins essentially and don't kill them, kill everybody else, bring those virgins back, and they will be the wives of our surviving Benjamites so that the tribe will not be wiped out. And so they, they wiped out some other of their brothers all men, women, and children, except for virgins, and took them so that they could be the wives of the Benjamite surviving men, so that the tribe would not disappear. And so it says um, in verse 25, you know, at the end of uh, chapter 21, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did whatever seemed right to him. And so we see that when man gets left alone to just do whatever he thinks is right, how convoluted and ridiculous things can get. And with that, that's the end of Judges. We'll hit Ruth tomorrow. Bye-bye.